Hello, this is Tina Shabo with Make Life Your Medicine and TinaShaboYoga.com. And we are uh, getting ready to have a podcast to discuss the art of the ritual and the art, really, of the practice. And I have my friend Jamie Hammer here. And we, uh, I just want to kind of introduce everybody to Jamie because we're going to be doing a podcast from time to time about different subjects that we uh, really kind of talk about a lot when we are together. And I, I, Jamie is really probably one of my most spiritual, I know she's one of my most spiritual friends, if not my most spiritual friend, because we just, once we get into discussions about yoga and the spirituality behind it and the practice, um, we find ourselves talking for hours. So we thought we might as well just do a podcast on this. And and I was just talking to Jamie, and what did you say about the rough, what we were going to call this podcast? Oh, I said the first one is going to be titled Rough Draft. Yeah, that's right. We're just experimenting just to let you know. But uh, we've already had our yoga practice today, and we already feel strong, powerful, and uh, I don't know, I kind of feel a little limitless. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yes, mm -hmm. it was a good practice mm -hmm. and uh, opened up a lot. Mm -hmm. It was good. Well, and we were also saying we're still sore from yesterday's practice. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that's kind of nice when you get a win-win there. You're sore from yesterday and you just push through on your practice. So. But a good sore. A good sore, always, yes. Um, it, one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast today with Jamie and I is because I've been trying to put my mind around a few things lately about why the practice just tends to clean your life up so much and um, something came to me and it was that because lately in my practice and I've been talking to Jamie about this I've noticed my body has been changing for the first time um, in a long time like I've went through a shift and then I think I kind of hit a little stagnation in my life where I was eating the sugar I was kind of playing with my patterns you know and what happened is I knew that I had be became addicted to sugar, even though I say, hey, who cares? You know, it's better than being an, you know, drinking too much like I used to and being an alcoholic and having that to deal with. But sugar had become very comfortable for me. And so I started doing some intermittent fastings in October and I hit a, like a three day fast November and what happened is I was able to kind of get away from sugar but what I noticed is when I started hitting my practice harder that my body started opening up for the first time mm -hmm. in a while and it's kind of been a nice transition and then this week and this is what our podcast is kind of about today is how what came to me this week is how I noticed that as I am clearing in my body that outwardly things are just lining up better and I don't have the clutter outwardly like the obstacles as much. And when an obstacle comes, I'm handling that obstacle better. Like, and Jamie knows recently I had an obstacle come that was kind of financial and 
Five years ago, that would have just taken me to my knees. I would have ran. I would have flown away. I would have said, hell with this. This is out of my comfort zone. I'm not dealing with this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I owned it, and I'm all the way on the other side of that. And I feel good about it. Like, this is okay. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? We go to these, or these patterns of being terrified. And if you're doing a lot of practice, you notice that you just, what do you, what do you think? It's almost like you become more aware. You're just so aware. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been um, nice to see patterns dissolve as I break open locks in my body. It's just, uh, um, and it's been quite uh, a light on something that occurred to me with Ayurveda, and we were talking about this earlier. What really occurred to me is why Ayurveda spectacularly in this divine way keeps us aware constantly of our environment and surroundings mm -hmm. and always checking us in to what time of the day it is. Or really, it kind of starts when you're just kind of starting to be aware of the seasons because. Even when I was a kid, I always had seasonal depression. Like, that's what they called it. Oh, there's something wrong with you. You have winter blues. And mm -hmm. now I realize it's because everyone has the winter blues. If they are, if they have, are patterned in that way. You know, if, if we're more dynamically challenged to fly and to, we like the sun and we gravitate to summers, the winter's going to be a little tougher on us. So the way that Ayurvedic, practices design our life around the our environment with the seasons mm -hmm. uh, or the full moons uh, the new moons um, the times of the day is almost like the four points of awareness and you know how I've always said the four points of light that's just like a phrase I like yes. because when I talk about the retreat circuit I always want to stay close to the equinoxes and the solstices and I've noticed that the closer I get to that, here we are up on an equinox. Everybody's anxious. Everybody's getting mucus in the back of their throat, infections. The infectious circuit is coming. Um, it's almost like how everybody gets sick around this time. Right. It's when everything's released in our body. My back went out around this time um, a few years back. And we're going to do another podcast on the sacrum and why it's so sacred and why we hold so much trauma in our sacrum and and the suppression of that in our addiction uh, and all of that but uh don't you feel like since you've been doing the practice that you're more aware of the seasons it kind of goes hand in hand yes for sure because mm -hmm. i think that uh Probably before I started, I, I always had the winter blues, you know, for sure, for sure. But never even aware that that's really what it was, just, you mm -hmm. know, going through it. And then kind of becoming more aware of, like, still aware of, like, oh, this is what's happening and dreading it coming. Mm -hmm. And to, like, more now, like, this past year, after so many years of having, you know, staying with the practice of realizing... Like, I'm not going to dread it. Like, I'm just going to just work through it. I'm going to be aware of it and not let it take a hold, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like I felt like this year was a lot better. Yeah. I'm not saying it didn't come. It's, I think it's just inevitable. The days mm -hmm. are just not very light for very mm -hmm. long. If you start your day out and it's dark and you come yeah. home and it's dark, it's yeah. just not a lot of light, mm -hmm. even being let in literally. Mm -hmm. So, For sure. 
So I do feel like the longer that mm-hmm. you have a practice and continue and stick with it, it's just mm-hmm. more and more aware that you are of mm-hmm. all your surroundings all the time mm-hmm. and seasonally. Mm-hmm. You know, with winter, it's just the funniest thing because there's a part of me that always loved winter as a little girl, like the whiteness of it, the quietness, the... Um, there's just something very spiritual about going out in a winter wonderland and not hearing a thing mm-hmm. and feeling that coldness, but then there's such a marvel of that, you know, of that, you know, you don't get that in any other season. That's true. And when I feel like, uh, you know, a few years ago, Scott and I, you know, Scott, Scott is another friend of us that always would say things about summer, like, no, I hate winter. I want to do summer, summer, summer. Mm -hmm. And I used to kind of joke with Scott, hey, we're breaking that program because Scott is a program guy, and someday you'll meet Scott because we're going to do a podcast on programs. But, you know, winter really is a time for us to go inward, downtime, you know. And even seasonally, when Ayurveda, when we study winter and the kapic nature of winter, like at its truest nature you know after the beginning of winter you know you're you're still kind of like in that bata you know you're in the transition but in the depths of winter just like the depths of summer in that solstice points of light there's there's a steadfast um um like um what's the word i'm looking for it's like a steadfast there's no unpredictability in that like the depths of summer is very predictable very you know and so is the depths of winter Whereas fall and spring are very, you don't know what's coming from day to day sometimes in those transitory seasons, you know, the equinoxes. So the solstice time, as, as much play as you are, summer is designed to give us, winter is designed to give us that much preparation, mm-hmm. ritual, journaling, praying, you know, the sacred, divine, like planting the seeds in your mind, where, what you want to plant in your action, you know. And, you know, I, I think almost most of the time when you look around in November, people are getting rid of things and, and it, like relationships are ending even. You see people like dynamically that November is a big time of uh, just like burning up the ashes and getting ready to go into that forest, you know. And I almost feel like once you get into winter, though, there's this like really sweet spot where it's like, okay, I'm surrendering to this. I'm staying home. I'm going to plan my garden later. I'm going to journal. I'm going to, um, there's like a creativity to that. I mean, do you feel like you, I think that the more we get into the practice, the more I make winter a part of my art, the, the art, the ritual, the art of the practice, winter becomes a little more, um, I don't know. There's, I don't want to call it an excitement, but maybe something that I can look forward to in a different way. Well, I think the unbusyness of winter, mm-hmm. as busy as we are in the other seasons, mm-hmm. how especially summer, you just go, 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 go. Yeah. I mean, it just seems to be. And so mm-hmm. maybe really enjoying the, the time in the winter of realizing that, like, no, this time is meant to just relax, chill. Mm-hmm go in like you said yeah 
and, and like enjoy the fact that, you know, you don't have all this running mm-hmm. to do. Don't be so against it, but just like, you know, nestle mm-hmm. into it. <laughs> nestle into it. Yeah. What's that word? Huga. That yes. Danish word. H-Y-G-G-E. Mm-hmm. I used to, I called it hig forever, but it's huga. Um, that Danish, it's Danish or Swedish, but. I think it's Danish. Is it? Yeah. You know, um. I kind of enjoy the winters anymore until February 5th. (laughs) (laughs) I always say after my birthday, I'm done. I can't put on another happy face. It's like I enjoy the birthday day for two, three days, and it's like, okay, I'm ready for spring. But that's the only part anymore of winter that I'm just kind of like in this transitory area, you know. But I think already there's an excitement of spring, you know. Yeah, Things did. are already kind of budding. Mm-hmm. They are. Who was I talking to on the phone the other day? It was Crystal. Crystal um, was outside the other day when I was on the phone, and the birds were so loud on her end on the phone that I couldn't hear her talking. <laughs> I said, how close are you to the birds? Like, are they right <laughs> there? And you're... She's like, no, they're really loud out here. I'm like, they're so loud I can't hear you. Like, are you like, are they sitting down eating with you, drinking your Kool-Aid or what? <laughs> But um, and there's always, around this time, too, uh, I op- start opening the windows. Yes. And I have my massage music playing in the, the, my upstairs loft. And what I love is uh, the birds that go and hang on that line because they hear my Native American flutes playing. You know what I mean? Like, they, they do. They congregate it right out. It draws them in. It does. It draws them in. So. Last year I had my buddy, I, I named uh, that little brown bird. I just knew it was a man. I don't know. It might have been a girl. But he had, he was kind of big and stocky, so I assumed he was a guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, his name, uh, I called him Frank. Do you remember me talking about yes. Frank? He visited quite often. But I want to talk a little bit about when you and I first met. And um, it was right out of my teaching. I had you know, really fallen in love with the practice and was just going everywhere to get it, which inspired me to do a teacher training. And I was teaching at that time around 10 to 15 classes a week. And this is how I met Jamie. I think it was like the sixth class of the week. I glanced over and Jamie was walking into my class. I think she'd already been to another one on the same day too. (laughs) And I was like, this girl loves yoga as much as me. Like, who is this? And that's how I met you at Tim's, which I knew you from my classes. But when right. you rolled in there, I don't think anybody else showed up for that class that day. I think Tim maybe, but... A couple people, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, boy, she's, she's following the class circuit. She is everywhere. <laughs> but what, um, what do you feel like started drawing you in like that? Because something happened spiritually, I feel like in your practice that where you just want more there's something that breaks almost because in the beginning it's uncomfortable I think right. we've talked about that what, what do you think for you was that defining moment of this is something that I love this is something that is becoming a part of what I want to do you know right well even from that very first time I went to your class on a Saturday morning which is not you know anything easy Mm-hmm. especially if you've never done it mm-hmm. um, and I sit there even at the end and thought that was one of the hardest things I've ever done but I still want to come back I don't know why like mm-hmm. any other time I would have just said forget it I can't do that that's mm-hmm. not meant for me 
but there, I just knew there was something about it. And mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like I've been chasing that something ever mm-hmm. since. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of just yeah. like, I don't, you know, and I think that's what we were talking about earlier is like, well, I mean, do we have to define it? Do we have to figure mm-hmm. out what it is? Or can we just keep doing it? Yeah. And then, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it works. So like, works. why do we have to figure out mm-hmm. why does it work? Mm-hmm. But that is why I did like my teacher training was because I needed to figure out, you know, what is making this, what is changing about me? Why mm-hmm. is this making me change? Mm-hmm. But it just so, so drastically, but in a great way mm-hmm. was making mm-hmm. all, all certain things, all types of things in my life mm-hmm. change. And I needed to figure out, I felt like I needed to figure out why. Mm-hmm. But I think the longer that, you know, I go and you go and we can discuss it all till the end of time. Yes. But just the doing it is, mm-hmm. it is the, it is the part that you have to Yeah. And you said it. something earlier that's about that, that I, I really liked. You said that it doesn't make any difference. How did you put that? It was about, oh, you, you don't even have to worry about it. You don't even have to wrap your mind around it. Just do it. Exactly now, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of what it was I said, but but it's so true because in, in, you know, it goes back to what I was telling a client this week. That was the client looked at me, so I have the philosophies. I I believe in the philosophies of yoga, and I'm like, and that's great. But if that just worked, then you would not have fallen off track, you know, mm-hmm. with the practice. And in my yoga school, and, and I've said this a couple of times to my students, that, and I said this last year to my students, you're going to be a great teacher when you finish here, or you're going to be highly adept to be able to teach whatever style of yoga you want within that we're teaching you. I have no doubt of that. But other than that, I would, you will go further with this training, if you keep your practice momentum, then just the philosophy. It's great to know philosophy. I love all my books. I mean, but even last year when we did a clearing in my teacher training, I got rid of a ton of yoga books. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, because I realized when is, when I, I've already read that book, you know, will I refer to it? Probably not again. Let it go. You know, what is more important? is the mat in your practice. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I think what I said, now that made me jar in my head what it was, once you know better, you do better. Mm-hmm. But it's just a matter of the doing, mm-hmm. you know, to do it. Is that yes, what it, was? it is. That might have been it. Yeah. But it's how strong our patterns are if we don't do the practice. We, we see them, it's our property, our nature. You know, everybody hates their nature. They... They, oh, I don't like this about myself. Or, well, we dissolve it only in the practice, not by trying to change or uh, telling ourselves not to do something or someone else telling us that we're being, you know, unreasonable. Or, you know, the only way to dissolve the darkest with the light. That's it. That is the only way. Mm-hmm. And I always find myself in my practice like, even as a teacher lately, and I don't know if you feel this or not, but I'm feeling it. You've probably seen it, but 
I even look back at some of my practices from seven years ago that I was teaching in class, and I'm not even teaching the same practices, you know? Like, I feel like my practices that I'm teaching are getting more deeper. Do you feel that? Yes. Like, okay. it's like it's growing with you. Yeah, it's like, because even in... I used to bang out salutations a lot. Remember mm -hmm. Saturdays? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I do 12, 13 rounds because I look at some of my old paperwork and I'm like, oh boy, you just ran them through 12 salutations and got into that peak pose. And that was fun and that was great. And, and certainly I'll do that again at some point. You know, I like to switch it up a lot. But I feel like in my practice that the people that come to my yoga is getting more from the depth in the flow than the just the fire in the flow right and it's funny because Katrina you know and I've said this about her when I first went to brown dog yoga I was going everywhere and I found that article about her and then I went up there and I met her and my she put my my mat right beside hers and I just I felt that closeness mm -hmm. but even her me going to her class I noticed over the years, like the lat, and, and if she was still teaching on Sunday, I'd still be going to Katrina's class an hour away because she is the, one of the most phenomenal teachers I ever met, for sure. But even her teaching had gotten so much deeper, you know, like in uh, the, there at the end before she wasn't teaching that Sunday class anymore. It wasn't just sun salutations. And I kind of, I feel like. T Yoga teachers, you know, the more you teach and the longer you teach that you change and you are growing because if you're staying in the practice, for sure. There's yoga teachers that don't stay in their own practice and don't grow because of that. I mean, you right. know, I mean, that's, you know, everybody could say that they understand why that would be. Um, but if someone's growing in these philosophies and they're doing the dinachari and they're taking good care and they don't allow violence in their life anymore because of himsa, you know, um, they're following the yamas and the yamas and they've taken that training to the level of optimizing their life. You grow as a person. It, 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 you, there's no stagnation because you're constantly looking at your own shit, literally, right. right? I mean, we're taking a good hard look in the mirror and I think if you continuously teach in that realm that you're probably going to take your your students with you on that journey, you know? I mean, I feel like I, that's like this morning. I mean, I just felt like there was a, there was like a connection there with all of us, you know? And like, anymore, I don't feel like I'm just guiding people or leading people. I feel like we're in for an experience together. together I, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like Saturday, I'm not just here leading you. Like, I'm a part, we're, we're together on this journey. Um, and uh, I don't know, I just feel like, this is probably some, where I am right now in my life where I just feel good in a lot of ways and that the practice is working really well for me and I am handling my, um, uh, you know, hero's journey. You know, you're handling your lessons better, right. you know. I think your honesty shows in your classes and uh, that's why people are so drawn to come, you know, not only just to the practice but to you as well but then still even if 
whatever their path is, that it gets them there to come. Mm-hmm. But you have a great quality to that your honesty of like, you know, you don't come in to profess, I know every pose and mm-hmm. I know all this. So, I mean, you do really share your journey with everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes people come back mm-hmm. because they see that vulnerability of that you're not there to impress anyone. You're mm-hmm. not there to do anything besides just go along for the ride with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And I just think it really shows. And it, I think it's what helps draw more people, any mm-hmm. shape, size, whatever, mm-hmm. to come. Because mm-hmm. I know in my mind, I didn't know much about yoga to begin with. I just thought that's probably something you pretty much look like a ballerina to do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or super strong, you know. As a, and I mean, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I thought, but I have to go figure it out because uh, someone invited me to go. And before they get back, i got to figure out what it is mm-hmm. we're going to do. Yeah. And then, you know, to come and go... Just so refreshing mm-hmm. of like all different kinds of people there. Mm-hmm. And for just, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it really truly is for everyone. Absolutely. But don't you also feel like we, we do, we, I mean, we look better and better the longer we do it. Well, that, 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 that is, is a perk. I mean, a I, and I mean, it, <laughs> but you, the feeling better, I think, especially as we get older, uh-huh. like feeling better. For sure. Well, we get young. We look younger. We feel you. Most people that are doing a yoga practice, you can see the vibrance. I mean, I feel like we all are look more and more vibrant than we did a few years ago. I mean, it's just uh, it just happens. You know, I I say to not have an expectation, but in a few years, you're if you're doing a yoga practice regularly and you're clearing your temple and you're lighting those candles in every window and you're um, feeling better, you look better, you feel better, you, um, it's a clearing of the house, Mm -hmm. it's a clearing of the, uh, the dark corners, the closets, it's like a good spring purge. Yes. Have you been purging? I I definitely have started, of like, you know, Uh it seems like every year comes that I think, you know, we need to get one of those big dumpsters. Yeah, right, (laughs) right. And just start throwing all kinds of things in there. Yeah. things that you haven't used trying to think what e- what month it was that we all got on the purge last year of YTT <laughs> oh everyone in class was like all along for the ride oh honey Stilly Dan started it Stilly started purging probably fourth month third fourth month and she never stopped she's still purging She now she started a business say your home right. H-O-H-M uh, and you know dropping her name because we were going to have a little uh podcast at some point but Steely has turned it into a business you know yeah. uh, but she cleaned my closet you know how nice my closet looks right. in there um, she organized that up but um, and then everybody's showing their purging pictures in uh, YTT you know in the in the group you can probably look I need to look at the history and see when that started happening because I remember when it happened in my YTT and then um, do you remember the purge I did last year <laughs> Um, I guess. I threw everything in the middle of the floor and took pictures. <laughs> <laughs> People were like, we didn't even think you had that much stuff. Yeah. And I was like, this is three years. Because when I moved over here, I had purged. And it was like minimalism. Read the Marie Kondo book. Was doing mm-hmm. it all right. And then three years, I was like, well, I had lots of stuff in my dark corners. So. But um, I feel like purging really in the spring is just... Uh, it's a thing. It's I just, think you moving here was a big purge. 
for sure. Like, mm-hmm. I was very envious of, wow, I'd love to get rid of all this stuff in my house and just, and you don't, we don't need it. Yeah. We don't need it. Well, that gave me a good opportunity to, when you move, you can't run away from your dark corners and closets. Mm-hmm. Like, but what I was really amazed I mean, carry it all with you or put right. it in a storage, but I wouldn't right. want to do that. Because each it, time you do that, when you move, you just think how much more ridiculous it is. Yeah, right. Time. Because you're like, so this is still in the box mm-hmm. for yes. when I come here. Mm-hmm. Well, my precious son, and I'm only going to talk about this because he never listens to my podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but he bought me a, for my birthday, which is sentimentally one of the sweetest gifts I've ever received. He bought me a Bluetooth record player. A Bluetooth record player. With a Sam Smith (laughs) record. And it's Bluetooth. You can get the record player playing on your phone, you know, like. Oh, okay, I see. And and it like, I could push it and the record would fall and (laughs) play Sam Smith. Uh, Here's the problem. I don't know where to put it. Like, you know, look around at my loft. Like, there, where would I put this record player? So, where? guess where it is? I have no idea. It's in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking, I've never even seen this gift. So, yeah. I was like, I don't know I where know. it is. <laughs> and my son is so sweet because... Ideally, that has got to be the perfect gift for me because it's an 80s thing. Right. It's a, so I was kind of thinking that it would be something cool in the Airbnb maybe in that bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, at some point where someone could kind of just play with a gadget like that. But I'm going to keep it. You know, it's just um, I just don't know right now where where its home will be, if it will have a home in this loft or maybe something in the future. But um it's things like that, though. Yes. That, um, and when I did that purge before, from three and a half years ago, that purge brought up a lot of, because my son is a little more sentimental than I am. I threw everything out. Like, I never saved the kids' stuff. I never saved the Christmas ornaments. I never, I've always been one of those people that, um, you know, hurt people's feelings in my family by, you know, my sister drew me a picture of a winter wonderland on one of the art paintings, and it was my gift for Christmas. And when she found I got rid of it, she was kind of like, I made that for you. And that's kind of like, gosh, I know that sounds terrible that I purged that on the Marie Kondo cloud. I mean, because there's been times I've looked back and said, I really wish I would have kept that picture. It's something I would have liked to be able to put up in the winter. But in this loft, there's no room. My son said um, to me, you threw away my rocking chair or my rocking horse from my childhood. He said, Mom, that was the only thing. Because my son in his bedroom would put that rocking horse in his closet anywhere so I couldn't see it on a purge. Like he, <laughs> he, was, he would hide it under his bed. He would like, she's gotten rid of everything else. She's not getting rid of my rocking horse, you know. Right. And I got rid of the rocking horse on the Marie Kondo purge. And he kind of held on to a little grudge of that. But I feel like when you're growing in yoga, like that is something that you are not growing in yoga, but 
more aware in your life, you do tend to get a little less attached to things. Mm -hmm. You're starting to be more um, aware of the fact that these things aren't what's you're you're not identifying with those things like right. you, that's my son's bed you, you I can't get rid of that that's that was Todd's he was so cute when he got on that when he was two right. you know or and you're not like identifying with all that and and well because it's stuff on the outside on the exterior I guess right you know. it's the external it's the macro if you're not clearing on the inside you're probably going to keep the rocking horse because you're holding on to, to, hold on to it, yeah. yeah yeah so that's the only thing that gets you in a little bit of trouble when you first start the purge I feel like in the practice but I will say that uh, we've been on a great journey in yoga together for quite some time now how long mm. seven years it's been a while now yeah. I think it's been longer for you than for me but we've been on it together for seven years. I met you about seven years ago, right? It may have been. I feel like I've lost track of time. I started teaching uh, when I was teaching up at Tim's there in the beginning. It was the 2015. For sure, seven years. Okay. I'm going to take your word on it. I feel like I, the older I get, the less I track my time. I think Tim was in my teacher training in Huntington at that time. So it might have been maybe six years. Probably around that time, six, seven, though. I think I've been at the Life Center eight now, maybe. Well, prior, other than COVID. Right. So what do you think? Anything else you want to add to... Uh, a little uh, podcast here. I watched this. Um, it's old though. It's from well, it's from two thousand eleven. So I say it's old, but older. Uh, what was that called? Yoga Woman. Have you watched that? No. It's like a documentary about okay. like just the trend of how you know, like men from India brought yoga to America, but you know now it's like the women that are you know really driving mm. it. And, keeping it alive mm. and uh, this lady Angela Farmer have you ever heard of her yes I have well I love this quote and I thought that it just was fitting um, it says very little in life invites you to notice how you are really feeling and who you really are in this moment you know in speaking of yoga mm -hmm. and how there's really nothing else that really say that again it says very little in life invites you to notice how you are really feeling and who you really are in this moment. <laughs> so that true. Was, you know, that was basically her whole, mm -hmm. you know, summing up of, you know, what yoga meant to her. She's beautiful, isn't she? Mm-hmm. You know, Barb studied under her. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she had several uh, workshops in Yellow Springs. I don't know if she's done them since COVID, and Barb has been to several of hers. She, wow. She is a, Angela Farmer is... A mama and yoga she truly is she's a she's one of the she's a legend really mm -hmm. you know it's interesting you said that because um, we, we kind of talked about this when I was in Katie Cox's, uh training 
Katie was talking about how, you know, yoga was created by men and women really were like the Ayurvedic practitioners and doctors, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember Katie Selcock saying that because she kind of goes over this a little bit. I don't want to quote her verbatim because I don't have the, that, you know, but it makes sense to me that because men created yoga that everything was black and white, extension and flexion, like that, you know, that masculine push in and out, you know, I mean, in that whole way. And yoga, in that extension and flexion, the one thing that's lost is the circles, you know? That's true. The circles, like, so, and and even the science behind just too much flexion and extension without getting the circumduction in the spine sometimes is why a lot of people can have low back issues. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. But yes, Ayurvedic, it's funny how women have taken over the yoga practices and men have taken over the doctor, you know, in modern day, you know, uh, medicine. Um, Because it was kind of backwards before. Women were taking their little tonics and herbs and mixing things. And even in the beginning, like, we, we did this seminar or this one of our monthly trainings was about the history of women and herbs and how so many women were really killed for learning about herbs and all that. And that went into some of the stuff I learned in my uh, Ayurvedic uh, health counseling training in Shakti school. But, uh I wanted to ask you those three questions that we talked about. First, I want to talk just a minute about um, this is something that came to me before we move forward in the practice is that the reason the awareness is so powerful in yoga is it's the only thing that has no opposition. So if we're staying close to the awareness, there is no black and white. There's no right or wrong. There's no yes or no. There's no do or do not. And in that stillness, like that sacred awareness, it, you can simply be. Right. That's, that's what it's about. It's a, just, that's when you can, you're just in being. And there is no overthinking, trying to philosophize the practice or why it's working. Or our mind always goes to trying to figure things out. And even you know, as humans, then that's what we do. And that's great. And it's beautiful. It's a, it's a trip. It's a roller coaster. It's a ride. It's a journey. But the truth is, the awareness, once it grows, there's no opposition. And so you're not going to have dualities uh, with arguments, petty tyrannies. You're not going to be attracting people that are committed to misunderstanding you always, or you're not going to be gravitating to people you're not vibing with. You're not going to be pulling in struggles all the time. You're going to be pulling in peace, 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 right? Yes. So as always, you know, I, and I know this about us, that we were, we're, with practices become a part of us. I think I'm so close to the practice I can't ever see the practice not being a part of me now and uh, I don't know I just I'm grateful for it every day I want to ask you three questions okay are you ready we'll see (laughs) (laughs) all right I want to ask you number one 
because we talk a lot about how yoga brings back our ch our inner child and what was lost uh, in the you know in our journey along the way before we found yoga what is your inner creative artist i have thought about this um probably singing I, I wouldn't say i have a lot of artistic other abilities but definitely singing singing but now i wouldn't say that that means like i'm going to go out on a stage or anything but when i think of back my childhood i think that it was probably my yoga was probably singing because uh, if you think about how music just kind of gives you that escape mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so I would say that that's probably was my first practice was you know I love music and songs and lyrics and just all all around mm -hmm. and so that's interesting because I've never heard you sing well I don't necessarily but not just me singing but I mean just music and in general though mm -hmm. I would have to say now that I've thought about it that like you know that probably was my little escape like yoga become mm -hmm. as far as like just having that mm -hmm. peacefulness do you enjoy the mantras I do but not to the point that I'm gonna sing them okay <laughs> <laughs> you sing them in class yeah with me did you like the loka samasta sukino Ubuntu? Mm -hmm. You know, I like to sing the mantras when I'm by myself. You have a very pretty voice. I want to hear yours sometime. Okay. Well, All right, we can get it's there. It's not huh? going to be today. <laughs> okay. We're not getting that rough on this rough okay. draft. Okay. <laughs> All right, my second question to you is what makes you, and this is out of the root chakra language, I always like to kind of think about this with people because I say this a lot, is we're only as strong and stable as our foundations and foundations and habits are so i want to and, and and that's our safety language too what makes you feel safe I've thought about the third question more than I've thought about the second question. <laughs> um, I think that probably the wholeness and probably the practice has brought a lot of that to me, of feeling more whole. Mm -hmm. um, how it centers you and how it grounds you and gives mm -hmm. you that wholeness. And that even when I notice that things are, you know, things happen in life, you know, but... I have more of an awareness now to come back to that center part to go, you know, this is just, it's a bump and you're like, they're meant to be, they're meant to be so you can practice gratitude more mm -hmm. of knowing that, you know, sometimes you, you forget how grateful you are. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the centeredness is probably uh, feeling whole mm -hmm. is uh, my idea of safe. Mm -hmm. Does that answer? That does. Okay. I think, and uh, I think, too, like when you said that, I think uh, it's that connection, don't you feel? Like, mm -hmm. you know, when I first had a little of the anxiety that I had never had when I was younger, and I started getting it through my, we've talked about this when I went through perimenopause and menopause and all of that area and that time of transition. I felt, when I first felt anxiety, it was debilitating for me. And 
I started thinking it gave me just an insight on how it must feel for someone that has tremendous anxiety all the time. And I thought, oh my goodness, how, how, how terrible that could be for someone, you right. know, like, yeah. yeah, like to really have that. And it made me understand a lot of uh, people that I love that have that in their journey. And I do know f that the more yoga I do, that it tames that dosha and balance, balance so much that anxiety. And I, and you know, I don't know, I don't think you've had that anxiety as much as I have, but do you think that we... <laughs> I'll just put that flag in there. Banjo, come on. Yeah, see, whenever the dog barks, it means a podcast is coming to an end. Come here, baby. Come on. You want a treat? He's heard enough. Yeah. When I am feeling... When I have felt that before and went to class that I've noticed that the, the practice itself can just diminish that feeling. Like at the end when I'm in Shavasana, the, the anxiety is just totally gone, yes. you know? And feeling it walking into class, knowing that I don't want to be here, I don't know where I want to be, but I don't know what I want to do, but I'm feeling, you know, scattered, and it just makes me whole. Like what you just said, just that I'm, I'm full, I'm whole. And the third question I want to ask you is what do you value the most in friendship? I think what I value most is probably um, the sharing of vulnerability between people. Hmm. Knowing that that's how close you are to someone because you're willing to let you know, all your guards down mm. and just share your whole self. Mm. That's a good one. You know, it reminds me of the word intimacy and it's in that book, I think it was called Into You I See mm -hmm. or Into Me You See. Yeah. Um, that's true. That's a good one. And when you can do that, it's, I, I love how it, uh, it's a way to build trust, isn't it? It right. is. Right. Well, thank you so much, darling, for uh, doing the podcast with me. And it this was is fun. a first time. It was fun. And first live one, anyway. And I just wanted to remind everybody of some of the things I have coming up. My, uh, what are we talking about with that spring fling? Oh, the tea party, March 26th, Saturday from 12 to 4. And this is going to be a rainbow tea party for the spring, so lots of great uh, collared teas. And um, it, this is a good tea party to bring the kids to. So we're going to really bring out a cold brewing of tea and how we can seep our teas in the cold and stick them in our refrigerator in the pitchers, and they can be beautiful colors of the rainbow. And how um, this is kind of like a nature's um, hydrational drink, so they're fun. You can make mocktails with them. And also the kids love them, and they're all with, guess what, fruit and herbs, and they're full of wellness. So great for this season. Great to stay hydrated during spring, too. This is Pancha Karma time, time for little bits of um, fasts and well 
you know, juicing rituals and uh, also cleansing and purging. So we'll kind of be um, talking about that in the very near future and also gearing up for our trip to Virginia Beach, which I can't wait. That's going to be a blast, isn't it? It's going to be a party of wellness, a true party of wellness. So, all right. Thank you all so much. And uh, thank you for listening in. And just never forget to make life your medicine. Namaste.